You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number six. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about a subject that I work on almost every day. I try to improve this area in my life because I really think that it's important to our mental and emotional health. And that subject that I'd like to talk about today is organization. And what I mean by that is organizing our environment and our surroundings in order to make us feel more grounded and balanced and do a better job in our life. Um, getting more organized helps us to feel less overwhelmed and happier if we can keep things around us organized. What spurred me to speak of this subject is a blog post that I did recently about a client of mine. And uh, it was quite a few years ago that um, I experienced this woman, but when I wanted to write a blog about organization and um, keeping our the space around us clutter-free in order to have a better life, I thought of this particular woman. So I'd like to tell you that story first, and then we can go into what I learned from that situation and different um, things that we all can do to be more organized in our life and keep things picked up and keep our life in better uh, order and not let it go into disarray. I want to tell you a little bit about this client of mine. Um, She was a middle-aged to older woman um, who was quite a character, actually, and I consider her to be one of the most interesting clients that I've ever had, um, and I experienced her a lot. She has since passed away, so I haven't been able to see her lately, but um, I do remember her well, and her story is quite interesting. Um, And she also was a big teacher about the subject of organization. We often think that we're the teachers when it comes to the interactions that we have with us and our clients. But I've found that if you look at these situations that we get put in every day and the people that we have to deal with, those people are often the best teachers for us. We can learn so much if we if we pay attention. And whenever I think about organizing or cleaning my home, or straightening up my desk, I never fail to think about this woman because although I never visited her home, um, I'm assuming that it was a housekeeping disaster because she was a pigeon hoarder. That's right, a pigeon hoarder, which is kind of funny in and of itself. She was a widow She lived with her adult son in the neighborhood near my practice, which is in the suburbs. And she was very interested in bird feeders in her yard. She would carefully fill these bird feeders daily and watch the birds as they visited her yard. Um, She wasn't a very well-off woman. 
um, just by the looks of her. And I know looks can be deceiving. So perhaps she was better off than I knew, but she didn't seem to have a lot of money, but she did spend a lot of money on these bird feeders and these birds in her backyard. Her feeders were super popular with the neighborhood birds and eventually got to the point where the hawks in the neighborhood started hanging out around her bird feeders in order to pick up a quick meal um, of the pigeons and the other birds that hung around her feeders. Now, this woman had a particular fondness for these pigeons, um, and thus the title of my um, blog that I wrote, The Pigeon Hoarder, but she really seemed to have a special love for the pigeons. And I also think that she had an easier time catching them um, when they got injured. I think if a hawk got some of the smaller birds, she probably wasn't able to um, help them. But basically what happened is as that backyard bird population grew, she had more and more hawk attacks. And um, because she didn't want to feed these birds to the hawks, she, she wanted to feed the small birds, but apparently not the hawks. She got to watching these feeders out of her backyard. And then if if she saw a hawk coming after one of her birds, she'd actually run out there and beat the heck out of it, out of the hawk, trying to get these birds away from them. So she chased them down with an umbrella or a tennis racket, which I think the visual on that is hilarious of her chasing these hawks around, trying to trying to get the pigeon out of their claws. Um, and she once told me that she chased a hawk for six blocks in order to get it to drop um, one of the pigeons that she, after the fact, brought into me to patch up. And this poor pigeon basically had his wings stripped um, of most of the most of the feathers and the flesh by the time she got them. So to me, that's I never saw her do it, but I really think that would have been awesome to see this small, and she was a little lady, the small woman running down the street after a flying hawk trying to get back one of these um, quote-unquote pet pigeons that she had in her backyard. And I think that's an awesome mental picture. And she was pr a pretty interesting and awesome lady to, to do that for these birds. So as she rescued these birds, she got a larger and larger indoor population of pigeons. And a lot of the times she would have us patch them up or me patch them up um, with different surgeries and things. And if they were releasable, I would encourage her to release them. And a lot of times she wouldn't. She got to the point where she was afraid to put them back out in the yard um, thinking that they would get eaten by the next hawk that came along. And so as she took them in and, and didn't want to release them, she accumulated this huge population of indoor birds. And I asked her one time when she came in to the office, how many birds exactly do you have now in your house? And she really didn't even know, but um, she guessed around 40 to 50 pigeons. And, you know, as pigeons do, as they lived in her house and they lived freely in her house, which is um, even more interesting, uh, as they, as pigeons will do, as they started to breed and then she started to get baby pigeons. And so she was constantly trying to fight that 
population explosion in her home. She would bring these birds to me one after the other, either the hawk attacks or the new babies with all their various health issues. And she was probably visiting my office at least, I would say at least once or twice a week with one of these birds. And I was worried about her. I I started to be concerned because she not only was living with these birds in her house, which I thought was probably a kind of significant health issue, Um, you could imagine to have birds living in your house and basically sleeping in your bed, which she told me um, some of them did. And you could imagine that was a health hazard. And also the fact that she would spend so much money at my office. I, you know, you can only do so much for your clients. And I tried to go easy on her as much as you can, but in order to run a business, you have to charge. And so a lot of times I had to charge her for these rescued birds and she really didn't mind paying, but it made me worry about, you know, what she was doing to keep her finances going because, you know, it's a lot of money to spend on some wild pigeons. Anyway, we would discuss that fact uh, that she needed to stop collecting the birds and possibly find a rescue that would help her, um, possibly release some of the birds, but she just couldn't bring herself to let go of these pets. And pretty soon the population started to control her more than she started to control it. At some point, well into my relationship with her, probably years into my relationship with her, um, this situation was discovered by one of her daughters. And when the daughter got involved and figured out exactly what her mom was doing with all these birds, she decided to step in. And by that time, it was a full-blown hoarding situation and her daughter had to force her to give up most of the birds and with my help. And many of them were released. Um, a lot of them were rehomed and she was allowed to keep a couple of them her, of her favorites. So it kind of had a happy ending, but from my understanding, the house was pretty much a total disaster and her daughter really had a, a large job to do to clean it up and get rid of the birds and get her mom into a more healthy situation. So I really think of this woman fondly when I think about, um, you know, the birds that I've seen over the years. And But when I really think of her is when I am cleaning an area in my home or my office and I'm trying to organize a space because I know what a mess this woman got into being a hoarder. And I don't want any of us to get into that situation. So I think of her fondly, but I also think of her as something to avoid. I know that she had beautiful intentions of helping all these birds, and she did. But in the end, the pigeon hoarding resulted in her having a condemned Um, living space and also being separated from the pets that she really did love. So the reason that I wanted to tell that story is I just think it's a, a great reminder as to why we have to be more organized and what's important about not only the physical space around us, keeping things organized, but also keeping our thoughts and our actions organized in order to 
make us mentally more healthy and also more effective and more constructive, uh, productive is probably the word I want to use. So the lessons that I think we can learn from my pigeon hoarding lady is um, that there is an inverse relationship between the quantity of things and joy. Too much of something can take away your joy and very often will if we're not careful in organizing those things. And what I mean by that is the more things that you have that require care, whether it's an object, um, something that's sitting on your coffee table, or whether it's thoughts in your brain, um, and you have so many of those, and the more cluttered those areas get, the physical space, the more cluttered it gets, the more stressful your life will be and the harder it will be to be productive and construct the life that you want to live. So think about the items sitting on your desk right now. On my desk, and I hate to admit this, but on my desk, there's a pile of veterinary journals. Um, Probably at this point, I would say six or eight inches tall. It has in the past gotten up to a foot or higher. And usually when it gets to that point, I start to get stressed out and wonder why I'm keeping all these journals. And then I get on myself to get them cleaned up. And I take um, some time, schedule some time to clean up that area. So think about your desk and think about the number of things that you have on your desk. Is it organized? Is everything put in a place? Do you have a specific spot for all your papers, the bills that need to be paid, the records that you're writing or your computer? Is it in its designated spot? Do you have piles of you know, old drugs that people have brought back to you that you haven't disposed of or presents that somebody bought you or greeting cards that clients sent you. What exactly does your desk look like? If there are too many things on it, if you have a pile like I do with my journals, or if you have multiple piles, which is even more distressing, you will start to feel stressed you'll start to feel yourself getting overwhelmed. You'll start to feel yourself tense up when you walk to your desk to sit down to work. And you will go into avoidance mode because you don't want to tackle those piles. And you need to let some of those things go in order to cause yourself less stress, less overwhelm, less... Um, confusion. I guess that's a good word because I oftentimes feel confused when there's too much to do and I don't have a plan. So if you've got coffee mugs, if you've got water bottles, multiple, then that is where you really need to start. Have you ever gone into a hotel room or a room in someone else's home that's super 
minimalist that doesn't have a lot of furniture, doesn't have a lot of, you know, tchotchkes, doesn't have a lot of artwork on the wall, is very organized looking. Let's say the walls are painted white and there's a white bedspread and the closet is relatively empty because it's a hotel room and so all there are are a few hangers. Have you ever walked into that room and just felt kind of relaxed and a sense of relief because there's nothing for you to do. All you have to do is bring your suitcase in and place your stuff where you would like it. And there's no stress to that. And that's why going on vacation a lot of times is so relaxing because we're just kind of getting away from all our stuff, all our junk. Um, hotel rooms are super neat. And usually if you're lucky, super clean. And everything is where it belongs. And there's very few things. And that is what we kind of want to strive for in our life. So let's take your desk, for example, or a closet. You know, you can pick any closet in your home or in your workplace. Let's take one of those things, for example, and let's work through how you might go organizing those spaces in order to make yourself feel less stress and be uh, more capable of accomplishing the things you want to accomplish. So the first thing you got to do is let some of your things go. Now, if you are an emotional person or a feeling person like I am, sometimes it's difficult to let things go from an emotional level. If somebody sent you a really nice card and wrote a really nice sentiment in it, it's going to be really hard to let it go, right? Because that sentiment is so nice and it was such a beautiful card. But what I'm saying is you can let it go. You've got those memories. You saw the card. You saw how beautiful it was. You read the sentiment from, you know, either the client or your employee that wrote it to you or your friend. You know, you have all those things as memories. And if you really are emotionally attached to that card, you can always take a photo of it and keep it on your computer or your cell phone. And that way you can physically let go of that card. Now, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but you can do it. So you need to let some of your things go. If you've got 20 coffee mugs at work, or let's say you even have two, you really only need one. One coffee mug, one water bottle, on your desk. So anything else that's on your desk, you need to let it go. And I would encourage you not to take it home and just put it in another cupboard at home. I would encourage you to give it to somebody else that can use it if that makes you feel better or throw it in the recycling bin. Obviously, we all want to recycle or at the very least throw it in the trash because that is going to serve you. So let things go. Look at each item on your desk and ask yourself these questions. Is this item something that I love, 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 love? You have to really love it and you can't live without it. If the answer to that is yes, then you need to keep it. If this item isn't something that you love, love, love and can't live without, then you need to let it go. The next question, okay, is, is this item useful? Do I use this? Why do I need it? And really sit there and look at that item. Why do I need this? Is it useful? Is it up to date and valuable? Is it worth money? Can I sell it? Because that might be a reason to keep it, but then you have to sell it and get that money. And have I used it in the past year? 
I personally know that that big stack of journals on my desk can sometimes sit there for three to six months before I think of going through it. And so if I haven't looked at those in six months, why am I keeping them? And so what I end up doing is scheduling myself an hour and going through each one and looking through them quickly, ripping out an article that I think I need, absolutely have to have to have or have to need, and then getting rid of the rest in the recycle bin. So that's what you need to do. So take some time, schedule it, ask yourself these questions. Do I love it? Is it useful? Why do I love it? Why do I need it? Is it up to date or valuable? And have I used it in the last year? If those questions, if any of those questions don't have really, really valid, good answers, then you need to let that thing go. And you will be surprised. It's going to be hard to get rid of it. But as you get rid of it, your mood is going to lighten and you're going to feel less stressed and less overwhelmed, the the less things that are on your desk. It's going to be stressful in the moment because you're going to debate and your brain's going to tell you, oh my gosh, I have to have that pen. I've had it for 10 years. I need it. I need it. But I haven't used it in five years. You got to let it go. So getting more organized and cleaning up that desk space is going to make you feel more in control and therefore allow you to feel more comfortable at that desk. It's going to leave you open space to work. It's going to not stress you out when you see that overwhelming pile of stuff that you have neglected for so long because that's how people become hoarders. I don't know if you know anybody that's a hoarder, but I know some. And the reason that they hoard is because they just feel too overwhelmed to even get started cleaning a space because there's so much stuff. Or they feel so stressed out about letting something go that possibly could be of use to someone else. And so instead of getting rid of it, they keep it. And they just keep keeping it and keep keeping it. And that is how someone becomes a hoarder. If you've ever watched the hoarding show on TV, I do watch it once in a while and I do like it because it spurs me on to get rid of things. It helps me to be encouraged to not let myself be overwhelmed with stuff. So no matter how much it bothers you to let things go, it will in the long run make you much, much happier. So another thing you can learn from my pigeon hoarder lady is no matter how much money you spend on something or a, or a situation, if you're blinded by the situation, you may spend your life savings trying to fix it. And that's kind of a, con a confusing thing for me to say, and maybe I didn't say it in exactly the right way. But basically what I mean is if you, let's say you bought some things and you spent $100, and so you're therefore now emotionally attached to that thing. But every time you see it, you become overwhelmed and stressed out, and you're trying to um, change it by spending more money um, to make it more worthy to you. And, you know, I, I guess a good example is this pigeon hoarder lady is she kept throwing money at this problem, um, trying to save these pigeons instead of, you know, figuring out a way not to set them up to be attacked by hawks. Cause she basically set them up with a feeding station that was easy, easily accessible to these hawks. 
And she just kept throwing money, 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 trying to save these birds. But no matter how much money she spent, she really couldn't see the true situation that she was putting these birds in this spot. If she had let them forage for food on their own, they never would have been easy targets or as easy of targets for these hawks. And then she would have not been bringing them into me and spending money on their repair. So don't be fooled by thinking that spending money on a situation, whether it's, you know, this hoarding situation kind of thing, or, you know, you trying to fix something in your life by spending money or buying things, no matter how much you spend or buy, it's not going to correct things. The, what you need to correct is the way you're thinking about it, because that situation sometimes blinds you to the reality, just like it did for my pigeon hoarding lady. One of the other lessons that I think we can take home is that too much of anything isn't good. Now, it's that's pretty true, no matter what we're talking about. Maybe if we're talking about money, you could argue that there there's no way that too much money is not good. However, there are some people that win the lottery uh, that don't know how to manage a huge amount of money and end up in a big mess because they have too much of something. So I think you can apply this. I think too much of anything is almost always not good. I think if you have too much stuff, too much collecting collections, um, I come from a family of collectors. My my parents and um, not so much my grandparents, but both of my parents are, they have these little collections of things that they like to collect. And, um, and I kind of inherited that coin collections, you know, stamp collections. I have a piggy bank collection, believe it or not. When I was a kid, I really got into piggy banks. And so I have a bunch of those, but um when you are a collector, that can turn into a hoarding situation if you're not careful. At some point, you have to stop. So collections can be great, but if you have passed the point of collecting into hoarding, it's not going to bring you joy. My piggy bank collection brings me joy because I like to look at it. But when I remodeled the room that I was storing the piggy banks in or I was displaying them and I had to remodel that room, um, they started not to bring me joy because when the room got finished and I went to put them back where they belonged, they didn't quite fit and then I had too many. So I had to take a good look at those and weed them out, which is what I ended up doing. So I didn't become a piggy bank hoarder like my pigeon hoarder lady. So, you know, saving the collections is great. Saving my piggy banks or the pigeon lady saving the birds was great. But once you reach a point where those things are overwhelming or no longer serving you and you can't physically or financially take care of them, they're no longer a blessing. They turn into a hoarding curse. So we have to be really careful about how we look at these things that we collect, that we buy, and in turn populate our homes with. So sometimes letting things go is hard, but it's a much better thing than holding on to them. Um, it will give you much more power. So organizing your desk or your home 
um, has a lot to do with organizing your brain in order to have the thoughts around these things. I find that I feel most confused um, and really out of control when the space around me is not in control. And I have a tendency to think of myself as a not super organized person. However, um, a few weeks back, my son said to me, mom, how do you stay so organized? And I looked at my surroundings at that point and it did look pretty well organized. I had a couple of piles of things that I was working on, but for the most part, I had kept my space pretty neat. And so to have my son have that perception that I'm a very organized person was something that was rewarding to me because that is something that I have been working on. And I think we all need to work on because when you have this physical clutter around you, it will cause mental clutter and it'll keep us from getting things done because we are in that headspace where we're wondering, you know, how do we clean up all this mess and not in the headspace of how are we going to make some, you know, write something wonderful or read something that we need to learn? How are we going to do something of value? It, we, that will preoccupy us. The mental clutter preoccupies us and keeps us from doing the valuable things in our life. The reason that I think most of us have clutter in our homes in our desks, in our cars, in your purse. That's a bad one for a lot of us. Um, we think that we have to take a lot of time to clean. If, you know, if everything's cluttered, let's say your desk is cluttered, your purse is cluttered, your closet is cluttered, and you want to get more organized, you think you have to do it all in one sitting. And because that's such an overwhelming thought and you don't have quote unquote time to do it, you just let it go. But you don't. You don't have to do it all in one sitting. You can take 10 minutes a day, set the timer on your cell phone, and decide that I am going to clean my desk for 10 minutes. And I'd be willing to bet that all of us have five or 10 minutes in every single day, even on a busy work day, that we could do a little bit of straightening out. So try to do that. And if you do go through that pile of journals and tear out articles, have a place to file them or put them so that you don't have to look at them. So you don't end up with another pile of journal articles. When I start to feel overwhelmed by an area, um, this is how I go about solving it. If I, let's, let's take my purse, for example. If I decide that my purse is a mess, and I really want to clean it out, I will challenge myself to give myself 10 minutes, put, put it on the timer, and then say, okay, in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to get this purse cleaned out. If you do that, it's going to make you make quick decisions about all those items in your purse. It's going to get you to throw things out and work hard and fast to organize that space because you have given yourself a time limit. Now, if the timer goes off and my purse still has some messy spots, I get to choose whether I want to give myself another 10 minutes or whether I want to move on to something else. And a lot of times I'll move on because I set the goal of 10 minutes and I'll do what I need to do. I can always come back to it another time. 
So that's one way to do it. You can write things down. We all know people that remember every birthday, remember every holiday. They don't have that memorized. They write it down. They type it into their cell phone. Um, For those of you that are from the age of, of cell phones only, you're probably not used to writing lists with pen and paper. Those of us who that are a little, a little bit older, such as me, like my handwritten list. But however you do it, write things down. That will help you organize your brain. So let's say I have a messy desk. I have a messy purse. I have a messy closet. Um, and these are all the things that are making me feel stressed out. Then what I need to do is write a list. Desk, purse, closet, in that order. This is how I'm going to approach it. And if you don't write all that down, if you don't write it down and you don't make yourself a plan, you're going to have a harder time getting to that. So give yourself a plan, give yourself a written agenda in order to clean and organize, write it down so it'll keep you accountable and then set yourself some kind of deadline, whether it's I'm going to do it today, I'm going to do it in an hour. I do better if I give myself shorter bursts of working time, like 30 minutes or less, because I will sometimes get distracted and bored with a task if it takes too long. But however it works for you, if you're one of those people, then give yourself an hour. If you'd like to do things a little bit, um, a little bit slower, give yourself a deadline Keep only the things that you need. Know when to get rid of something. Know when to let it go. If you can't let it go in the garbage, donate it or sell it. But definitely don't put it back on your desk or in your purse or in your closet. And if you're really having a difficult time, you can also ask someone for help. And I think this is what a lot of people that getting to hoard, get into hoarding situations are afraid to do. And I'm not insinuating that any of us are going to get to that point. However, I have had closets or areas in my hospital that were such a giant mess that I basically walked in, looked at it, and then shut the door. And in those cases, if I can ask some of my employees to help me, and schedule some time in a, in a slower day to go through and empty out that whole space and get rid of things, then it's going to be a lot easier for me to tackle. I hope that this helps. I do have um, some more things that I'd like to talk about surrounding organizing our areas, our closets, our drawers, our desks, and things like that. There are a lot of good resources and a lot of good tips on organization, but I wanted to start with this simple story of my pigeon hoarder because I think it is such an awesome story, and and she really was an awesome lady. I don't want anybody not to think she she was really trying her best to do the right thing. And and she did do well by a lot of these birds. However, she didn't do too well for herself. And that is my point. I just want us all to remember that sometimes our best intentions can cause us more harm than good. So take a little bit of time this week, if you can, to declutter at least one area in either your home or office 
and let me know how it makes you feel. It should make you feel so much lighter and better and less stressed. It always does me. And I'm hoping to be back with another podcast on organization sometime soon so we can go through a little more specific tips. But I just wanted to start this out today by having you hear hear my pigeon hoarder story and work on cleaning up a little and asking yourself those questions. Do I love this? Can I not live without it? Is it useful? Why do I need it? Is it up to date? Is it valuable? And have I used it in the past year? All those questions will help you to let go of some things, straighten up your workspace, straighten up the feelings that you have around the workspace or the living space and allow you to feel less overwhelmed, more prepared to work and go on about your day. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to make these podcasts really relevant for those of you that are listening. If you have any suggestions for me, please contact me via my website or my Facebook page and let me know what you think. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you all and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. 